0: Hello, this is Podcast 356, Kurt Morrison here as we learn to maximize our influence, to maximize all the skills you need to be more successful in life. We're going to talk about today, are you being persistent or just a pain in the butt? What does your prospect, customer, client, coworker say about you? Because there's a fine line between being persistent and being a pain in the butt. Hope you're having a great week. Getting things done, getting more tools in your persuasion toolbox, and making a difference. This week, I spent a lot of time training some mid level managers. Interesting group, not gonna name names, but it's interesting when you train salespeople or entrepreneurs that have a direct correlation between their income, their success, and their ability to persuade and influence and use these skills, man, they're driven, they're engaged, they wanna learn, and it makes my job a lot easier. Now, I know I'm just kind of generalizing here, but some of your mid-level managers, the reason they're still mid-level, I'm just talking about maybe a third of them, is they're not as motivated to learn. They're not compensated to learn, so they think. Obviously, they're compensated by upward mobility and getting better jobs, but they're just others have the mindset the company has to pay for it. I'm just putting in my time. I don't really want to learn that much. I'm doing okay. I don't need to improve. Oh, that's a hard one for me to deal with. Now, most of them were really hungry, engaged, and do it, but there were some just going through the motions. A lot of times you see that in government, too, sometimes, just like, okay, whatever, my job's secure. A lot of the raises are mandated to get them regardless of whether they deserve them or not. And of course, again, that's not everybody. We see a lot of people that retire five years before they retire, meaning mentally they retired, they're done doing anything, they know they can't get fired, so they're just going through the motions, and some of them are just doing nothing. So don't be that person. Always learn, always grow, always improve. It can make a huge difference in your life, your happiness, your income, and the skills that you have. All right, I said it, got it out of my system. Now I don't need to tell you this. You're listening to the show. You're into personal development. You're always learning and growing. Let's switch gears to the blunder of the week. Don't, don't, don't. So I was interested in this webinar. Someone was putting it on. Had a really interesting title. So a couple points for that. But then I saw their picture. Went to their website, saw their picture, and for some reason, for me, that lost all credibility. like, oh, well, Kurt, you shouldn't judge. We all do. I mean, you think about all the real estate agents who put their pictures on billboards and on bus benches. Hello, do they not see what they look like? And of course they don't. They're too close to it because people look at these pictures and go, smart, weird, dumb, strange, you know, positive or negative. It's crazy. And I get on with the college students, too. I'm like, you can't post pictures like that because that's the first thing they're going to look at when they think about hiring you for a job. And of course, it's the content of the picture, but the actual picture itself. That's what I want to talk about. And I'm guilty here. Using old photos, using bad photos, not wanting to take photos. I'm with you on this one, and I'm guilty, too. Maybe as I picked it up from my early mentor, Jim Rohn, his philosophy was, send the worst, ugliest picture you have. And when you show up, you look better than they thought. (laughs) So that was his game plan Maybe that's the model I'm looking after. I don't know. And remember, with our faces, some things we can fix, some things we can't. And one thing that happens that you can't always fix or think through ahead of time is that if you look like someone they hate, someone they distrust, there's a subconscious trigger there. So that you really can't fix unless you know ahead of time, which is very, very, very rare. But that can be a challenge because we judge on colors and backgrounds and are you smiling? Do you look professional? All these things come into play in that quick trigger when we judge a picture. So be careful of the picture you use. A good picture could really help you out, but a bad picture could going really set you back. So I was interested in that. and As I looked at this webinar, I looked at the picture. I think I did subscribe. I don't think I ever watched it. I don't know if it was because of the picture or not. Now, I'll put this link in the website at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's also a place for the archives. You can find out more about Influence University, which is advanced training. Get the free book, the new edition of Maximum Influence. Pick up a little shipping and handling and take your free persuasion IQ assessment all at MaximizeYourInfluence.com where you can check out more product services and coaching packages. So the website I'm going to post is called PhotoFeeler.com. It is free. Well, except for your time. Basically, you get a post, a picture of you. You can upload whatever you want. Because your mom's not going to tell you the truth. You know, I had to break the news. Well, maybe she will, but most moms don't. You, you look great. It's perfect. But you upload your picture and people, strangers, and this is what you want, will rate it on smart, trustworthy, attractive, and it's not sugar-coated. It's just the blunt scores. So you know which picture you should be using, if it's a good picture for you to put out there. Now, it is free as money's concerned, but if people are going to do that for you, you got to do it for them. So it's kind of a time thing to get a little honest feedback. So as I was thinking about that, going through that, I actually went to the net and I searched for ways to make your picture more attractive and found myself on a dating website called Vita Select. They were giving you suggestions on how to be more attractive. So I'll put that link up there too. Let me breeze through some of these. Their first one, I mentioned this, have someone else choose your profile picture. Hopefully strangers. In fact, their research shows strangers are way better at identifying photos with the traits that you want. Don't trust your own judgment. You're too close to it. And they said a stranger within a second can peg all the different traits. Then they say, skip those boring neutrals. They're talking about neutral colors. One thing I've talked about on the show before is the power colors wearing red. Men still wearing red ties pulls the best, always does. They looked at 12,000 different photos and Even women that wore red, it just popped better. It was a very powerful color. People tend to pick that color. Now I'm not talking about a red suit or a completely red dress. Just that color peppered on your body can make a big difference. And part of that too is they found that on average about 60% of men and women wore neutral colors in their picks and that red makes you pop. They also found out too something interesting, taking up a lot of space in the frame expansive postures, they called them. Now that shows dominance and also willing to share resources with others. It's a subconscious trigger. There's a nonverbal sign there. So there's something about that. But here's one I didn't know. Comes from a photographer, Peter Hurley. He says, squinching makes you look more successful. Now that's when you bring up your lower eyelids just a bit. You have several pictures online you can look at that when you do that, it's different from the wide-eyed look but also makes you more cool and confident. That's what they say, just say and put it out there. They also say accentuating your jawline. A lot of professional photographers use this. When you're posing for a headshot, you bring your head closer to the camera by moving your forehead forward and down just a little bit. They also say put your best face forward, so there's a side. A lot of people say that. I guess I haven't figured out what my best side is. They look the same to me, but maybe ask somebody else. Of course, posture, no more hunching. That one we know and we've talked about. <laughs> Here's an interesting one, the ugly friend effect. So if you're taking a photo with other people, get your ugly friends, you'll look better. That's what I call the law of contrast. It's one of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence. But actually, researchers at the University of London call it the ugly friend effect. And Dan Ariely, we've talked about him on the show. He's a behavioral economist. He's at Duke University. He said when you show people pictures of someone that's similar but less attractive, than you go up in points. So just don't tell your friend they're the ugly friend unless they figure it out on their own. And one in the duck category, uh, smile, I mean you don't want the creepy creeperton smile they call it, you just want a smile. We know that increased persuasion like ability, you have one, it's contagious, use it. Now the type of smile is they found that people flashing a smile showing some teeth were considered more competent likable and influential. So teeth is better than a tight-lipped smile. And of course, they mentioned the importance of eye contact. Looking at the camera, we know that one to be true. Now here's an interesting one. If you wanna boost your trustworthiness, try to get your pupils larger. I mean, take a look at magazines. They always enhance the pupils. There's a likability factor. There's a connection factor there. There's a trust factor. So if you could do it, that's something that'll make a huge difference. And they said, and I don't know if this is true, that just simply thinking about a dark shape or imagining that you're in a dark room can make your pupils dilate. You could try that one out. I haven't tried that one or seen that one before. But hey, if it works, go for it. One interesting thing says, be careful of the flash. A flash adds seven years to your perceived age. So they did say use softer lights. Be careful of the flash if you could choose. Obviously, dress for success. Dress... Based on expectations. What are they expecting to see? What are they expecting you wear? It could be something that can make a huge difference. Just saying, just put it out there. Give me some things. It matters. It really, truly matters. Which takes us to the geeky scholarly article. <music> this comes from the Journal of Environment and Behavior, Cordell University, and Annell Tall how food psychologists do the eyeballs on cereal characters, or basically how the cereal box for kids, the eyeballs have been adjusted. This is crazy. Well, let's talk about it. So Cornell has a food and brand laboratory. They do a lot of things with food and colors and size of plates. The whole thing is really interesting. They found that cereals marketed to kids are placed half as high in the supermarket shelves as adult cereals. We've talked about that before. We know that Cereals going to be at their eye contact or pretty close to it. And they said the average height for children's cereals was 23 inches, which is perfect for them, right? They found that these eyeballs are the characters of these cereal boxes, right? There's a character. There could be a rabbit. There could be a captain. You know the drill there. That their eyes are pointed downward at an, at an angle, 9.6 degrees. So they were looking at the kids when they walked by. You know, I'm talking with Captain Crunch, Tricks the Rabbit, Toucan Sam, Count Chocola. All of them are looking down at the kids, making eye contact with the kids. And they figured that the best angle to see these was about four feet away. So they found that that eye contact not only grabs attention, so they have people looking at these tricks boxes that they did have more feelings of trust and had that connection. Of course, these are looking down at the kids. 16% more connection to the product. Brand Trust became 16% higher with that eye contact. And the feeling of connection went up 28%, believe it or not. Now, the whole reason they did this is they're trying to get kids to eat more vegetables and be healthier, trying to figure out the lure of these sugar cereals. I think it's the taste, but I mean, you got to get it in their hands first. But that's what they're doing with these sugary cereals, with the mascots on the boxes. So Brian Wansink, he's been a guest on the show before. If you go back to the archives, this is episode 159. I actually did a guest interview with him when he talked about the food And what people do to food to make it more persuasive and more enticing. So check that out if that interests you. He wrote the book, Mindless Eating. And I'll post that link on the website too. But that's the geeky Scarlet article. Those little things that grab your attention. We don't even think about moving those eyeballs down just a tad. Just like the pictures you're taking for yourself. That eye contact, how you look at people, your pupils. That's happening with cereal and that causes people to buy more. And increase brand recognition and increase connectivity. All right, next on our list of things to do, we talked about earlier, this comes from listener email. Of course, send me an email at maximize at influence.com for things you want to see on the show or questions. If I use your info, your email on the show, you get a free gold subscription to influenceuniversity.com, the advanced persuasion tool training. Everything you need in one spot. So this is Yusuf from Turkey. Oh, boy. He says, I've been following you on YouTube. If you haven't been there, you can check out YouTube. It's under the same name, Maximize Your Influence, where we take a different dive from the things we've been talking about on the show. So he says, I've been following you on YouTube and found your podcast. Thanks for the information, and it's helping me learn English. It's really helped in my persuasion and business skills. First of all, your book's in Turkish. Well, not in Turkish. I know so there's some magazine articles done in Turkish. All my books are in Arabic, which I know there's some similarity. I know it's a different language, but there is a little overlap if you're able to understand Arabic. So not in Turkish yet. Hey, make it happen. Get me translated into Turkish. And he says, I know this varies by culture. I know my culture can be very persistent. And some Americans we we were pain in the butt too, persistent. Let me paraphrase a little bit here. Here's the question. He's asking, how could I balance being persistent, which you need, and being a pain in the butt, which repels people? So let's talk a little bit about that. So awesome question. Let's talk about it. This is something everybody can learn from. If anything, you're not persistent enough. It's very, very, very rare that I see someone that's too persistent, making too many phone calls, too many follow-ups. Time and time again, the prospect will say, thank you for being persistent. Thanks for following up. It's very, very, very rare. They say you're calling too much. They'll let you know if you do. So it's rare. I would say nine times out of 10, you're not being persistent enough. Let me just put that out there, let me say it out. Now. now that aside, let's talk about that one out of 10 times where you're just trying to figure out, should I keep calling? Do I need to be persistent? Or am I coming across as a pain in the butt and losing this person forever? So let's start off pain in the butt. You're a pain in the butt when you're calling every day. It's redundant. The message is the same. It's cheesy. You say things like, oh, just touching base. Well, what base are you touching? What does that even really mean? But we say these things. There's no value there. There's nothing happening. It's the same thing every time. You're a pain in the butt, especially if it's happening over and over and over again. Same thing, probably call it the same time. It's a pain. Now, you're persistent when you're providing new information. You're there to consult. You have new research. There's a new angle, another interesting solution, something else you need to bounce off them. You just discovered something, kind of using the Zagarnik effect. If you remember that tool when things were unfinished, it arouses curiosity and suspense then you're persistent, you're there, you're not just doing the same old thing, there's something unique, there's something different, that makes you persistent, instead of the same old thing every time, the same message of pain in the butt. Now part of that one too, is the medium. If it's always email, always text, always the same thing, then you are a pain in the butt, it's the same thing again, just like we talked about before with your message, if it's always the same. Alternate, voicemail, email, text, Social media, even use a different person to pop in, to drop by, to say something, to call, something a little different, something unique, switch it up, change it up, and that can keep you in the persistent category instead of being a pain in the butt. The next one is voicemail, pain in the butt. It sounds like you've said the same exact message a hundred times, it's monotone. You're going through that voicemail like you're trying to get it over with. It's not customized to them, you didn't use their name, that's pain in the butt. Now, I know you've given it a hundred times, of course you yeah, have, but it can't sound that way. They're listening to it for the first, maybe second, third time. You have to sound interested. You have to sound unique. You have to customize it. You've got to sound like you're interested and you care. I get it. Giving the same message hundreds of times a day, you can sound that way, but you got to remember, they're listening to it and it's unique to them. That's pain in the butt and easy to delete you and never to talk to you again versus... Using their name, adapting to them, making it different every time, putting your heart and soul into it, pretending they're listening to it, pretending they care, pretending that you're going to say something that's going to trigger interest, that makes all the difference in the world. Your tonality, your upbeat, you're enthusiastic. If you're not passionate, they're not going to be passionate. Be very, very careful there. And a piece of that too is just your general attitude. When you're leaving that voicemail, think about your attitude. Are you coming across as just another commission, just another number? You're mad at them for not returning your call? How dare they waste your time? They're being mean. That comes across in your attitude. Attitude does come from your expectations. So you gotta expect them to listen. You gotta expect them to call you back. You gotta expect them to take something from your message. Now, it's not gonna work 100% of the time, but when you have that expectation, it changes your tone, it changes your attitude, and it changes the message. you got to come across with that attitude in that voicemail or that face-to-face. One. However you're doing your follow-up, your attitude's got to be that you care. You're there to serve. You understand they're busy. You understand they're busy. You're a consultant. You have that empathy. You get it. That'll make a big difference on how it's coming across through the phone. We think we can just go through the motions, but that's not how this works. Now, persistence, you don't give them a way out. You just keep calling and calling and you become a pest. You gotta ask yourself, are you a guest or are you the pest? So you're the pain where it's just the same thing over again and there's no way out. But a way out would be in an email or in a voice. They'll say, hey, I understand your business. It's my last call. If you're really still interested, hit respond. Just say yes, I'll keep contacting you. I'm sure our paths will be able to cross and we can talk. So give them a way out. A, that creates scarcity. And B, may they say, yeah, don't call me again and you don't have to waste any more time. What, the seven mark? It seems to be the magical number for sales that after your seventh contact, if you haven't heard or seen anything and you've tried all these things, give a way out. Create a little scarcity. And what are they going to say? Don't call back. So now you know you've saved some time. But a lot of times, yeah, keep calling. Be persistent. I'm really busy. This came up. Something happened. You'll be surprised how often that happens. Yusuf, I hope that's helpful to you. That's just general based on different cultures. You're right, though. Some cultures can be more pushy than others. Some are more accepting than others. That does depend But this is just a general guideline in business and in persuasion on not being that pain in the butt, but being the persistent persuader that they want, that they will thank you for when it's all said and done. So thanks for being here. Check it all out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Hit like, hit subscribe, tell your family, friends, and enemies. Again, we're on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Check out InfluenceUniversity.com. In fact, I will put a link, a special link, a serious discounted link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com if you want to check out Influence University to take the advanced training. I'm going to do that for you. I'll put that in the link as you take your life and your income to the next level. But take something that we talked about today, just one of them, apply it, use it, make it your own, get used to using that tool, and you know the drill. You'll be able to persuade with power.